done. It's so chill in here today. Everyone's very quiet. Is it the turkey or what? You're all kind of... Everyone's still in a bit of a food coma. We better go to church though this morning. Tis the season. Well, our church family is all over the place today and all, all over the shop and um, holidaying and doing different things like that. And you know what? It blessed us so much that uh, when we announced the Summer of Revival meetings, um, you know, a bunch actually shifted their holidays and things like that, that uh, they were going to be away to come back and be here on time for that. We, um, you know, this is not just us putting on some meetings for the sake of it. I think we've, we've said before, but, you know, Prior to us planning the church three and a half years ago, we were, Jody Keeley and I were full-time on the road doing revival meetings all around the world and, and regularly, it would be a regular thing for us to extend meetings and so we'd be having a meeting and the Spirit of God would, would break out, you know, and that's really, I guess, the objective is, is revival, you know, and, and something would begin to shift and so we'd extend meetings and um, we did 30 nights in a row in, in Fiji in this one place and in Graham, Texas in this tiny little town, one night turned into eight nights and but since we started the church we've never felt to do that, we've never felt to have kind of consecutive extended meetings in any way even though a lot of the meetings we've had in this place have been so over the top on fire amazing that had they been on the road, we would have extended, <laughs> right? If, if God was moving out there like he was in, in a lot of the times here. But this time specifically, it started with a prophetic dream and, uh, and we really just felt like the, the whole thing just, just really, God just spoke. Have this week of meetings, January 3 to 10, call it Summer of Revival. And it was all um, to do with our, our friend Rob DeLuca, who's um, come with his whole family from Redding, California. They're in New Zealand for a couple of days right now on their way down here and then coming across. And we connected with them again um, when we were in Redding. And there was just such a sense of every time we talk on the phone, it's like God shows up and there's, there's just something on it, right? It's really on it. And so they're excited. We're excited. We're very, very expectant. And um, don't, don't miss it. Don't miss it. And I just encourage you just to come every night, just to come every night, to come along and, and come from the first night and just plan just to be there. And there's, there's a sense of both the expectation of God really moving and breaking out as well as the sense of, of contending for what it is that God is wanting to birth through us, right? And so when we were in Fiji, I've, I've told this story before, but, you know, we were actually invited to come in and do these consecutive nights. And when we arrived, we are with our friends as well, Larry and Carol Taylor. When we arrived, um, there'd been a couple of pretty serious kind of things happen in the church. And the church was a, well, well with people in the church, and there was, a, there was not a good vibe, right? There was not a good vibe. There'd been some really serious kind of knockbacks and things like that. And, um, but here we are to come and have these revival meetings and everyone's expectant. And at first it was hard. It was really hard, but we would get up and we would go for it every night. We'd just, we'd just release revival, we'd worship. And, and I tell you, God would, God showed up right from the start, but every night it increased. Every night we got more and more breakthrough the fire started to increase and actually it was about after about two weeks of really just going for it that suddenly bang there was just a real uh, just a, a whole new explosion level and we saw incredible signs and wonders we saw 
hundreds literally of people healed and saved and um, supernatural fire on the stage and all these different kinds of things happening. And um, it was raining supernaturally in the building every single night for 30 nights that every single person experienced and felt. The angels sung. I've told that story before, but literally we had three angels singing through the sound system. Perfect female harmonies singing along in the worship. And I told everyone, I said, everyone just stop and listen. The angels are singing. And you didn't have to kind of squint your ears, you know. I think I... I think I hear something, you know. Everyone heard. Everyone, every single person heard. And my favorite story to tell is the, the pastor of that church's son um, is a great guy called Eli. And he was the drummer, about a 25-year-old guy, amazing drummer. And, and I interviewed him on camera afterwards. And with his big Fijian smile, I, I'll never forget, he said, it will always be my story. I have heard the angels sing. I believe I'll hear it again, but it is will always be my story. I have heard the angels singing. And so when that night happened, you know, the glory of God fell in the room and man, it just, whew, it just fell on that place. And, and I got down off the stage and, and the band continued just to worship and we just went and prayed and the glory of God just, everyone got wiped out. It was just a, a phenomenal night. But it took, some, it took some perseverance. And I tell you, we did not have the same lead up to that as we have had for this. So we've been praying three, four, five times a week publicly. Every week we've been praying on Periscope together. Who has watched any of the Periscope at all? So we've been praying online on Periscope every single day. I think to, yesterday was day 23. So about half an hour praying together for revival. And literally 50, 60, 70, up to 100 people have been praying with us every day for revival on the Sunshine Coast on Periscope online on Facebook and then replaying it and uh, it's amazing and so there's such a momentum in the spirit for this and this is this today feels a bit like the calm before the storm it's the little lull in between Christmas and revival it's a little quiet in here today it's a little chill it's good it's really good so you're very very welcome it's great to have you here ha huh. <clears throat> we're excited so this time next week We'll be dedicating your baby, <laughs> your grandbaby. That's, a, that's an inside joke. Um, <laughs> we will have a baby dedication in the morning service over there um, next week. And then 5 p.m. that night, Summer of Revival begins. And so <clears throat> we have about 300 seats over there and it's going to get crazy up in here. All right? I'm so excited about that. You excited? Come on, it's going to be so good. <clears throat> All right, well, I'm, uh, I've got 20 minutes, and um, I'm going to read from the Bible this morning. It's a good start. I'm actually going to read the same chapter, the same, yeah, chapter, the same psalm three times in three different translations. You ready for this? It's going to be good. You're going to love it. So just receive it. I just really feel like this psalm, this psalm really just kind of, we have lived this psalm this year and uh, I just want to kind of sum up the year and all that God has done as we just literally the last Sunday of 2015. So I'm going to read from Psalm 27 starting in the New King James. You ready? Turn your iPads to Psalm 27. 
<coughs> if you're looking at it on an Android device, that's a heretical translation. All right. <coughs> the Lord is my light and my salvation. So listen with fresh ears this morning. Don't just listen with cliche Christian ears that we've heard these things a hundred times and just listen with fresh ears and, and listen to, to David. You know that the title of this psalm is called An Exuberant Declaration of Faith, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I've desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Don't turn away your servant in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isn't that awesome? So good. I'm going to read it again. From the New Living Translation. Here we go. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord and the thing that I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's presence. Delighting in the Lord's perfections, this says, and meditating in his temple. Verse 4 again. 
the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing that I seek the most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me and don't reject your servant in anger. You've always been my helper. Don't leave me now or abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my mother and father abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. How good is that? <clears throat> One more time. In the Passion Translation. This is titled Fearless Faith in this one. David's poetic praise to God before he was anointed king. The Lord is my revelation light to guide me along the way. He's the source of my salvation to defend me every day. I will never turn back and run for Lord you surround and protect me. When evil ones come to destroy me, they will be the ones who turn back. My heart will not be afraid. Even if an army rises to attack, I know that you are there for me. So I will not be shaken. Here's the one thing I crave from God. The one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house. Finding the sweet loveliness of his face. Filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. In his shelter, in the day of trouble, that's where you'll find me. For he hides me there in his holiness. He has smuggled me into his secret place where I'm safe and secure and out of reach from all my enemies. Triumphant now, I'll bring him my offerings of praise, singing and shouting with ecstatic joy. Yes, listen and you can hear the fanfare of my shouts of praise to the Lord. God, hear my cry. Show me your grace and mercy and send the help that I need. Lord, when you said to me, seek my face, my inner being responded, I'm seeking your face with all my heart. So don't hide yourself, Lord, when I come to find you. God of my salvation, how can you reject your servant in anger? You've been my only hope. Don't forsake me now when I need you. My father and mother abandoned me. I'm like an orphan, but you took me in and made me yours. Now teach me all about your ways and tell me what to do. Make it clear for me to understand, 
for I'm surrounded by waiting enemies. Don't let them defeat me, Lord. You can't let me fall into their clutches. They keep accusing me of things I've never done while they plot evil against me. Yet, I totally trust you to rescue me one more time so that I can see once again how good you are while I am still alive. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave, courageous, and never lose hope. Yes, keep waiting, for he will never disappoint you. Come on, let's just give Jesus a hand. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Good clapping, Tavita. <laughs> He's hiding now. Uh, isn't that awesome? Does anyone relate? Does anyone relate to that psalm? Does that relate to anyone's life at all? <laughs> anyone get that? Come on, it's so good. It's so good. I just want to quickly just point out a couple of things from those psalms in these last nine minutes that we have. Number one, here we go. The Lord is my light and my salvation, my fortress and my protection. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. Confident in what? Confident in Him. Confident in His goodness. Confident in His protection, right? He is the shield. He is the fortress, right? And even if I'm attacked, David said, I will remain confident in the Lord. You know, I remember about, it must be about six or seven years ago, and we were kind of starting out in Pour It Out Ministries. We've been in ministry really for 20 years, but this season of, of Pour It Out Ministries and was a whole new level um, for us. And I remember one night, I think it was in worship, I, um, I was on the Gold Coast, and the Lord gave me a vision in the middle of, I can't remember when I had it, but this was the vision. Basically, I was walking on this, this hill up towards the cross, and the cross was big and vibrant at the top of this hill, and my journey was just walking towards this cross. And as I was walking, and I kept my eyes focused on the cross, at times, people would come out, the enemy would come out from the side of the path and strike at me like with a sword. You know, I'd be walking past and they'd come out and just attack me with the sword. And, and I remember I would see like my arm got cut off, right? And that was like Star Wars right there. Was this, no. And my arm got cut off. And as soon as my arm was cut off, right, this fleshly arm was cut off. As soon as it was cut off, immediately revealed under it was this golden liquid translucent arm underneath. And it was stronger and pure and more powerful than the arm that was already there, the fleshly arm. And the same kept happening. They'd cut off my leg. And as soon as the leg was cut off, whew, here was this golden, powerful, glory light. And as I kept on walking, I kept on focusing towards the cross. Every attack of the enemy tried to throw against me actually purified and made me more pure and stronger. As we just kept on walking up towards the cross and actually it didn't matter what the enemy threw at me. The spirit became revealed, right? Refine his fire. We were, we were refined in the fire. These things purify us. And though these, things are, these things attacking are never the Lord, right? They're never the Lord attacking. They're always the enemy. But the Lord uses those things to refine us and make us stronger and make us more pure, right? And so... 
this we can remain confident. He is our shield. He is our fortress. He is our deliverer. Why would we be afraid? Why would we be afraid, right? I love that. In verse um, 5 there, it says, um, oh, it says that, sorry, I'm messing up my own notes here. Number two, my bullet points all changed to number one. Don't you hate it when that happens? There was one, two, three, four, five, and when I put an extra line, they're now all number one. All right. They're all as important as each other. They're all equal points, okay? All right. Number two, second number one. The one thing I desire, this is a theme of this chapter, right? The one thing I desire, the one thing I seek the most, the one thing I ask of him is that I might dwell in the house of the Lord in the presence of God in the secret place where he hides us and nothing else can touch us in that place. David, of course, is talking, of course, he's talking about the temple and he's talking about the physical place, but really he's talking about that secret place of the presence and the intimacy of God, Right? In verse 5, it says that he will conceal me there when trouble comes and he'll hide me in a sanctuary and he'll place me out of reach on a high rock, on a high rock. And we've been talking recently in Corinthians where it refers to the rock that was Christ, right? But that rock, it says, followed them in the wilderness for 40 years, The rock of Christ was the glory cloud of his presence from which they drank, right? So it's not just that they were standing on Jesus. They weren't just standing on the principle or the religion or anything else. They were standing on intimacy, the presence of God. That was the rock that was, which was Christ. The glory cloud, glory clouds, actual encounter and intimacy and relationship with him. That's what they stood on. And so when he says, he places me out of reach on a high rock, he places us in that place of intimacy and encounter with him. In his presence, face to face, eye to eye, right? And I think you'll know yourself, you know, when we come to worship God and we get into his presence, We get into that place of his presence. It does not matter what is going on in the world. It doesn't matter what we're facing. It doesn't matter what bills are coming against us. Those billites, right? It doesn't, all of these things don't matter. They all just, the volume on those things all just comes down. And suddenly the things on earth grow strangely dim and the light of his glory and grace, right? And we're in that place of his presence and nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. This is the high place, that rock of intimacy, that rock of his presence, right? And when we find ourselves outside of these things and we find ourselves in fear or in trembling or we find ourselves exposed, it's probably because we've actually slipped out of that place of his presence, And I tell you, when we come aside, we put those things aside and we come back in and we just spend time with the Lord. We spend time actually in worship and all of these things just silent again. And we realize, yeah, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. What have I got to be afraid of? What have I got to be afraid of? That's where we want to live. This one thing I seek. 
This is what I desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He wasn't talking about living in church, right? He was talking about being in that place of the presence, the secret place of intimacy with the Lord, right? Now, I mean, we're talking about David here who was literally being hunted by Saul and all his men. I mean, there's, you know, there's 300 guys, soldiers, literally trying to kill him, searching through Maruchidor for him, and then surrounding him, right? This is not just some figurative, I'm having a bad day kind of thing. He's like, the very guy that he is honoring wants to kill him, is literally trying to kill him. Amen. Number three, verse eight says this, seek my face, come and talk with me. He says, seek my face, come and talk with me. My heart replies, yes, your face I'll seek. Here I am, Lord. He's inviting us into that place of encounter. That's what David is saying here. God is saying to us, hey, seek my face, come into that place of encounter. This is what I created you for, for intimacy and relationship. And there's an invitation into encounter. And David's response is, yes, Lord, your face I'll seek. We sing the song, which comes straight from this. You say to us, seek my face. My heart replies, your face I will seek, God. Christianity is all about this invitation and response. God invites us, we respond. We, re- we invite God, he responds. It's this song of Solomon, dance of invitation and response, right? He wants intimacy with us even more than we want intimacy with him. Joshua and Moses would come into the tent of meeting and God would be there waiting. God was in the burning bush, right? And Moses is walking past and he invites Moses into encounter into that place of encounter, into the place of the burning bush, and Moses turned aside and came into that place of encounter and intimacy with him. And we've also been talking recently, of course, about how God is inviting us all right now into this place of burning bush encounters with him because he wants us to become burning bush encounters for the world. He wants us to be so ablaze with the glory of God. Remember the tongues of fire fell at Pentecost. This is what it means, right? That the fire fell, Moses glowed, and we have a greater glory, right? Moses literally glowed with the fire of God, right? Like like coming out of the, a hot iron coming out of the fire. He was, he was a light, right? He was a blaze, and God wants us to be a blaze. He wants us to have this intimate encounter with him so that we can be burning bush encounters for other people. I think most of you saw on Facebook this week, and Um, He didn't end up coming, but it was an interesting encounter. Um, You know, so I'm standing at the shoe shop. Now, don't forget, we are in full-blown, how we should always be, but we are in full-blown pursuit of his presence, of revival, of souls. We're praying every single day for great harvest of souls. We're calling them in. We're, you know, decreeing it over the city. We're fasting. We're doing all of these things. And there's this real momentum right now in the spirit, and it begins to shift things. In the spirit, the spirit is literally shifting. And one of the things that we've been praying about is that God would increase, my time is already up, but I'm going to take a little bit more. Is that all right? That God is going to increase the radius around us personally of his presence, right? So John G. Lake, 
that many reports would talk about how he would be on the train two miles out of the town that he was coming into and people would start to call out in repentance to God when he was coming on the train two miles away because he had this radius of the glory of God around him like this and people would be two miles away the same with Charles Finney there's a great story of him walking into a factory a seamstress factory right where they were all sewing and there's hundreds of women sitting at these sewing machines and he walks into the building and they all start to fall down on their knees and begin to worship and repent because of the radius of the presence of God that he carried Peter was overshadowed by the glory of God right it wasn't just necessarily that his shadow right was actually an overshadowing of the presence right that as just as he came past people would get healed because of the radius of the glory of God that he personally carried we are the arcs of the covenant now right we are the ark of the covenant we the holy of holies is right here we are the place where God dwells he got out of the box and got into us and so we're praying about this God increase the radius around our church they talked about it at Azusa Street that for two two miles around at Azusa Street non-saved non-christians would just come into the into this radius and all of a sudden they'd literally be pulled into the church and come in and give them give their lives to the lord and so here i am at the shoe shop on christmas eve was it or the day before christmas eve at the shoe shop in the plaza woman's shoe shop i just like to hang out at those places and I'm at the counter and I'm buying these pair of shoes for Jody. I'm just paying for them. And there's just one other guy standing there. And he says to me, he goes, oh, it's never ending, isn't it? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. you churn through it pretty quick, don't you? And he goes, yeah, I'm hoping to go to church somewhere tomorrow. That's <laughs> honestly what happened. And I was like, I actually pastor a church. I said, Really? He says, yeah, and he, he goes on to tell me he hasn't been to church for a long, long time, but he just feels like he needs to go to church tomorrow. And so I, gave, I had him a business card, and I gave him my business card, and I said, well, look, I pastor a church. It's just, just here, and you'd be very welcome. And he's like, wow, wow, well, you'll probably see me then. He didn't come, but that's not what the, the point of the story, right? The point of the story is, and honestly, for an hour or so, I was totally gobsmacked. I'm like, did that just happen? It's, it just kind of... I'm hoping to go to church tomorrow. It was like Holy Ghost Tourette's just came out of him. You know what I mean? (laughs) I must have Jesus. I remember actually in India once, I was walking down the main street of India, uh, a main street, and there's people everywhere. And this guy, the main, there's lots of streets in India. Main Street, India. (laughs) There was a curry shop and a curry shop and a... I love it. And I'm walking down the street, and this guy, and they all think I'm a WWF wrestler in India every single time. It could be the bandana, though, I wear in the, in the singlet, but anyway, no. And this guy just pops out in front of me, and he says, please, sir. I won't do the accent because I'm going to slaughter it right now. But he says, please, sir. He says, I don't need any money. He says, but my heart hurts. Can you help me? are you kidding me and he didn't want any money and so we led him to Jesus right there and 
we were able to take him and he started coming along to the church that Jody's parents ran and and that was it. He became a part of the church. He literally just jumped out and said, please, sir, I need help. My heart hurts. Just this week, earlier this week, we have a prayer meeting as a team that we meet in, in a public place at a rec club. And when we went in to have our prayer meeting in this room, we normally book, but you can't book it during December. It was kind of open and available for other people to go in. And so I popped my head in the door and I just asked, there was a lady in there. And it turns out this lady had had a really rough few days since Friday. And we just started to talk and we were able to help her out. And then we just prayed with her, asked if we could pray with her. And she said yes. And then basically Jody invited her to give her life to Jesus and just to say yes to him and invite him into her life. And, and that he had a plan for her and that, you know, this was what, this was what God was setting her up to do. And she said yes. And we led her in a prayer of salvation and she gave her life to Jesus. This is just, this is on our way into the prayer meeting. She's waiting in the place where we're going to have a prayer meeting. I'm like, talk about shooting fish in a barrel, right? This is, this is the beginning. This is kind of revival type testimonies, right? So easy. People just suddenly give it. And you know, this is a lady who, it was, it was easy. We asked her. She said, yes, we prayed with her. She cried. She totally changed, Right? This was just, this could have been any number of a thousand people on the street. And she just said yes to Jesus. Bang, that's it. Her eternity forever changed. Right? And so we're praying for this place of encounter with the Lord where we would all be burning bush encounters. Thank you, Jesus. I've just got, I, I have two more points. Can, we be, can you give me another seven minutes? Is that all right? Sorry, guys. I, we do really try to stick to 11.30 finishing, but we've missed that today. There's no kids' church, no children to rescue today. Okay, just two more really quick points. Teach me, verse 11, teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path for my enemies are waiting for me. Right? Verse 11, teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path for my enemies are waiting for me. This is kind of similar to the Lord's Prayer, right? Lead me not into temptation, God. Deliver us from evil. It's the same kind of thing, right? There is a real enemy that wants to take us out. There's a real enemy that wants to take us out. But here's the deal, right? The enemy does not look like a big scary monster, we're not walking along the path and all of a sudden this big hairy boogeyman jumps out and says, don't go to church, <laughs> right? Don't pray. Don't trust Jesus. He's a liar. That's not what happens. This is not what the enemy looks like. The enemy looks like little distractions, right? Misplaced priorities. Fears, doubts. Did God really say right? It's these subtleties because the enemy does not have to make you an atheist. He only has to make you lukewarm. He doesn't have to make you an atheist and bring you to a place where you don't even believe Jesus exists. He just has to make you lukewarm. 
And so the enemy on the path looks like distraction. It looks like little doubts. It looks like offense and unforgiveness and bitterness that takes you off of the path, right? And so he prays here, Lord, lead me along the right path for my enemies are waiting for me. So if we pray these things and we trust in the Lord to lead us and to stay on the path that avoids the distractions, avoids the offenses, avoids the unforgiveness, avoids the little doubts and the busyness of the world, right? Here's one thing I've noticed. If we don't set the boundaries of our life and trust the Lord within those boundaries, the enemy will set them for us. A great example of this, right, is just the Sabbath. This is a great example, but it applies to whole different areas of our life. If we, if we run a business and we say, well, I need to work seven days in order for my business to survive, guess what? The enemy will make sure you need to work seven days. But if you set the boundary in trust and wisdom of God and say, I'm going to work six days a week from nine to five, and that is non-negotiable. And on Sundays, I'm going to, or whatever, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do these things. And that is non-negotiable. And you trust the Lord within that. The enemy cannot exploit it. But if you allow room for that to be flexible and exploited, the enemy will make sure that he gets to set the boundary. Right? You following? All right, lead me along the right path for my enemies are waiting for me. Last point, I am confident of this. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. This year, we have seen the goodness of God and the land of the living. Week after week after week after week, we have seen his goodness. He has been ridiculously good. We've had all kinds of battles thrown at us. We've had all kinds of enemy different things come against us. But every week, we've seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. We've seen it. We've seen him over and over and over and over again. And this verse applies to us and what we have seen this year, which basically gets summed up in this. If you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. If you, as the verse says, wait patiently for the Lord, be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. His promises are yes and amen. Death could not hold him down. If you quit on Saturday, you will miss out on Resurrection Sunday. Sometimes we're living in the Saturday between Friday and Sunday, right? But the promise is that he's coming back. The resurrection power is at work right now. It's all day through Saturday. (laughs) 
Sunday's coming. (laughs) Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Amen? Amen? Come on, let's give Jesus a big shout. Thank you, Lord, for this year. Thank you for everything you've done. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we have seen your goodness on display. And God, we thank you for your incredible, unceasing faithfulness, God. Your faithfulness reaches to the heavens, God. You are so, so, so faithful. You are unfailable, God. You are incapable of failing, Lord. And we love you, Jesus. And we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We thank you for this year. And God, we know that next year, God, is going to be so much better even than this year, God. That the increase of your kingdom shall know no end. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let your fire burn in us, O Lord. Let it burn.